0: Welcome to Snazzy Stories. Put some pepper in thy step and lend an ear to the terrific tales of the past. Welcome to Snazzy Stories. If you would like to keep the storytelling alive, please go to patreon.com slash snazzy stories to donate to my storytelling adventure. Sometimes we want to remember history as it should have been, and not as it actually was. To tell the reality of history is sometimes to realize that people we look up to and acknowledge for the good aspects of their life also can have a negative side to them. Now that does not mean that we are somehow being disrespectful to these people or these groups when we recognize the bad choices that they made as well. But not to acknowledge such groups or people for the harsh reality does an injustice to past people as well as to their posterity. We will never learn from our mistakes if we don't recognize what those mistakes were. Today's story focuses on a dark part of U.S. history, and specifically, Utah history. This is the story of the Black Hawk War. As the Mormon people continued to pile into Utah and form more towns and cities, the tension between them and the Native American people grew. Brigham Young had given a policy of helping the Indians. He said, quote, it's cheaper to feed them than to fight them, unquote. But actions taken by the Mormon people were very different than the official policy. The Native Americans' hunting land was being taken with more and more people moving in and the food supplies were dwindling quickly. And the water sources were also being taken over by the Mormons. Even the Native groups who were at first friendly, with the Mormon people, began to see and feel the reality of the newcomers moving on on to their lands. Since the food supply was so low, many Native Americans were literally starving to death, giving many in their groups reason to raid the settlers' towns and steal their cattle. The Ute people thought that the cattle was fair game, because they believed it to be compensation for the white settlers taking the resources from their land. But such events caused retaliation by the Mormon people. On one occasion in 1849, an innocent encampment above the hills of Pleasant Grove was raided by 44 Mormon militia. The encampment had one gun and bows and arrows to defend their people. Few people survived the slaughter. Some were taken captive. One young boy, taken captive, had just witnessed the murders of his people and his own family, and he ended up spending much time with the White settlers after being placed in the servitude by the Nauvoo Legion. But he never forgot the day that his family was slaughtered. That boy would grow to become the Ute leader, Black Hawk. Another horrific display of malice occurred when Fort Utah was established in 1849. Just west of the fort, three men who had served in the Mormon battalion and and had come to Utah for a new life were out hunting deer. A Native American man whom people called Old Bishop was wearing a white shirt that had belonged to a settler from the fort. Old Bishop confronted the three Mormons for poaching deer. They were considered poaching deer because Brigham Young had made an agreement with the Utes that the Mormon people would not hunt the Utes game and the Ute people would not steal the Mormons' cattle. The three Mormon men killed the native, eviscerated him, filled his stomach full of rocks, and threw him in the river, hoping it would sink to get rid of the evidence. But his body floated downstream, and the Ute people found it. The Mormons told people Old Bishop had stolen a shirt, and that is why they killed him. Because of the tragic way Old Bishop was killed, it is said that every year his ghost appears on the banks of the Provo River, and one by one he takes the rocks out of his stomach and throws them into the river and then disappears. Tensions between the settlers and the Ute people continued to rise. A battle began and the Utes scattered, but the Nauvoo Legion pursued the fleeing Utes. Daniel H. Wells, leader of the Nauvoo Legion, and Bill Hickman had forced young Black Hawk into service. Thus, Black Hawk ended up witnessing the bodies of frozen Utes who took refuge in a canyon who had been wounded at Fort Utah. The leader of this group who took refuge was called Old Elk. Bill Hickman cut off the head of Old Elk and hung his head by the hair outside a cabin in Fort Utah as a trophy. The Nauvoo Legion continued pursuit of another band of fleeing Utes. When they caught up with them, they executed more than a dozen of them. One can only imagine the horror of witnessing these violent events firsthand. But young Black Hawk saw these nightmares come to pass right before his eyes. Furthermore, the Mormon people had unintentionally brought deadly diseases with them into the West. Smallpox and measles became ever-present within the Indian villages and was killing them at a rapid rate. The move the Mormons made to the West, to them, was divinely inspired. But to the Native Americans, it was deadly. Smallpox, measles, and starvation killed 90% of the Native population. By the 1860s, the United States government had sent Indian agents to work with the Indians and find solutions to their problems with all of the settlers moving into their territory. However, the solutions were to move the Indians onto smaller pieces of land and promise food and supplies. But those promises were constantly broken by the United States government. With food supplies causing starvation, disease running rampant throughout the Indian villages, land being taken away, and the government constantly breaking promises, it is no doubt that that within a 20-year period of time, tension had been building between the Mormon settlers and the native people, and it was bound to explode. The Black Hawk War did not have a single event that started it all, but was a continuation of problems and violence that began to mount between the Mormon people and the Ute people. A young boy who witnessed the slaughter of so many of his people grew up and became the Ute leader. That took the reins in April of 1865 of waging war on the Mormon settlers in order to gain back the Ute homeland. In the Sampete Valley, negotiations over stolen cattle took place. But an interpreter, who was drunk, insulted a Ute leader named Jake Arapine. The interpreter pulled Arapine from his horse by his hair. After this dishonorable behavior and the two decades of mistrust and violence between the two groups, The new Ute chief, Black Hawk, declared war against the Mormons. Once war was declared, Black Hawk began launching multiple raids on Mormon settlements in taking horses and cattle. The Mormon people commenced building forts around the state for protection. The settlers in the town of Deseret were ordered by Brigham Young to organize a militia and build a fort. The fort was to be built as fast as possible— And in order to procure its haste, the workers were divided into two companies and the company who completed their section first would be awarded a dance and a dinner from the other company, a friendly competition in the midst of a fearful time. The fort was made of adobe mud and straw, which was mixed by the feet of oxen. It was completed in 18 days by 99 men in in July of 1865. Luckily for the settlers in Deseret, the fort was never used for protection for the people, but it was often used as a corral for the cattle to be protected against the Indians stealing them. However, a real threat did occur in the spring of 1866 when new settlers had made camp about six miles from Fort Deseret. They saw a group of Indians coming into their camp. The settlers abandoned their camp and fled to Fort Deseret. 45 men in the Mormon militia were at the ready to help defend the town of Deseret. Four men, including the interpreter Isaac Pierce, rode to find Black Hawk's party to offer beef instead of bloodshed. Pierce and others were eventually invited to speak with Black Hawk and 72 of his warriors. Pierce offered all the cattle that the Utes needed, and eventually Black Hawk agreed to take the cattle instead of fight. However, that was often not the happy ending to these raids. Often in the midst of these raids, people were injured or killed. In May of 1865, John Given, his wife, and son were shot by attacking Utes, and the three Given girls, ages 9, 5, and 3, were also killed by tomahawk blows to the head. The brutality on the part of the settlers was also present. In response to the Given family murders in July of 1865, Major Warren S. Snow surrounded an Indian camp and killed over a dozen Indians, including women and children. In Ephraim, one captive Indian woman tried to escape after hitting her guard with a stick. The guard shot her and the rest of the captured women as well. In 1866, another violent act occurred between the Mormon people of Circleville, Utah, and the Paiute people. This is considered the bloodiest conflict during the Black Hawk War. With the fierce swelling between the two groups of people, it became worse when word came in April that a Paiute had killed a soldier at Fort Sanford after pretending to be a friend. Traditionally, the Paiute people had been friendly with the settlers. But during the time of the Black Hawk War, the tensions were ever present, and this event heightened the fear of the settlers. Circleville residents were counseled to protect themselves from the nearby Indians. The people of Circleville decided it was necessary to capture the Paiutes at their nearby camp and bring them to Circleville to keep an eye on them. Olaf Larsen, one of the guards who was involved in taking the Paiutes to Circleville, said, quote, We naturally concluded the Indians were planning something. This led us to call a council to consider what was best to do about them. We concluded it was best to take them prisoners, feed and care for them until we get information from higher authority. In the evening, we went quietly down and encircled their camp. We closed up quite well, so no one should be able to escape if they tried to break away. A man by the name of James Allred who spoke the Indian language very well and who had considerable experience among them and knew their customs quite well, showed them the necessity of complying with our wishes, telling them they would be treated kindly and would show their friendship by moving into the town. No sooner had he explained this than one Indian jumped across the river where I had my position and in the twinkle of an eye the men opened fire and the bullets whistled around my ears. Just as the Indian fell, he discharged his gun. The bullet grazed my breast and cut the barrel square off the gun of the man, st- man standing by my side. Had the bullet come three inches nearer, it would have killed both of us. All the other Indians surrendered and we marched the men into the meeting house and we placed them under guard. Later, we went and moved the squaws and children and belongings into the vacant cellar with guards watching them. Olaf continues his account of what happened next. Quote, Express was sent across the mountains to Beaver, the nearest place we could get in communication with the leading authorities, as we did not like to take the responsibility of deciding the course to be taken with the Indians. While thus being guarded night and day, and they, knowing we could not understand them, they held their counsel how to liberate each other. The plan they made failed and brought upon themselves an early destruction for if they had depended on us they might have been liberated in a few hours receiving gifts from us. A few men in the community exhibited great hatred to the Indians, but they were too few to have any influence, as the people in general abhorred the shedding of blood. Every moment we expected our pony express to return, but before they returned, the Indians made a bold break for liberty. The Indians were seated with sticks across the small of their backs, and their elbows back of the sticks were tied to the sticks. While close together with the blankets thrown across their shoulders, they untied each other and were loose, ready to make their escape as soon as it was dark. I had just been released, and the new guard placed, had not proceeded far when the shooting began. I ran back to the meeting house, and the Indians were all shot and in a dying condition. I learned from the guard that they all arose at once, pulled the sticks from their arms, sprang for the guards, and tried to knock them down. To protect themselves, they were forced to shoot. The next consideration was how to dispose of the squaws and papooses. Considering the exposed position we occupied and what had already been done, it was considered necessary to dispatch everyone that could tell the tale. Three small children were saved and adopted by good families. Meaning, one by one, They took the women and children out of the cellar and slit their throats, except for three young children thought too young to remember such a heinous crime. Three other children between the ages of seven and 13 had a chance to escape while a door was open. Their mother told them to run for their lives, and they did. Two young boys and one girl. As they ran into the night, shots from the guard's guns were fired, but did not kill them. One bullet grazed one of them, but that did not stop them from running. The three children made their way to a cave for safety. Unfortunately, they were found the next day by the people of Circleville. James Allred took them to Marysville, another town close by. Allred wanted to sell or trade the kids, but no one wanted the little girl. The girl was taken by her heels and swung, hitting her head against a wagon wheel until she was dead. The accounts are unclear about what happened to one of the boys, but one boy was taken by Allred to Spring City. When Brigham Young heard about this terrible event his people had perpetrated, he verbally chastised them, but did nothing more. The Mormons eventually were praised by other church members for having done their duty. The Circleville Mormons tried to keep this crime under wraps, but eventually the events of the Circleville Massacre came out of the shadows. However, not one person was prosecuted for it. In April of 2016, members of the Paiute Tribe and the Circleville residents came together to dedicate a memorial for those who lost their lives during the Circleville Massacre of 1866. It took 150 years for closure, but it finally happened. During all of the fighting in the Black Hawk War, 200 white settlers and 600 natives were killed. Black Hawk ultimately believed he needed to find a way for the survival of his people. He came to believe that was to have complete peace with the white settlers. In 1870, he traveled to each town he had raided and pursued peace with the Mormon settlements. He personally apologized for the pain he and his warriors had caused, each of them and their families. Black Hawk asked for forgiveness. He wanted peace between his people and the Mormon people. Many settlers speak of this journey as Blackhawk's mission of peace. Blackhawk eventually makes his way back to Spring Lake, the place where he was born, and he passes away. Unfortunately, he is not left in peace. Forty years later, his remains were dug up and taken to a hardware store and displayed for two weeks. After that, they were taken to Salt Lake City to the LDS Church headquarters and kept there for 60 years. It wasn't until 1996 that he was finally laid to rest and given peace. It took over 120 years for Black Hawk's spirit to be laid to rest. Over 500 people attended the memorial service. It was an emotional event and one that the descendants of Black Hawk and the descendants of Black Hawk's enemies were able to sit together and heal from such a dark part of not only Utah history, but their own personal histories. The inability for opposing cultures to exist is all over history. And unfortunately, human beings continue to make the mistake of thinking coexisting with differences is impossible. But it is events like Black Hawk's funeral in 1996 and the memorial of the Circle of the Massacre in 2016 bringing these cultures together and remembering the horrible mistakes made on both sides that still gives hope to humanity. Thank you for listening to Snazzy Stories. Come back again where everyone has a story.